welcome to episode 39 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today to talk about Final Fantasy 13 2, we have the Grand Maester of the Universe. This is uh, John McCarroll. I am a uh, junior pictures editor. I love how we gave your new title on Pat's show, but we can't say it on this show. It's because Eric hasn't made his post yet. Uh, okay, never mind. All right. Uh, we have the man from Japan who dresses like Indiana Jones, and I always stare at him in Skype like this. It's very weird. You stare at me on Skype? Well, I mean, I'm staring at your picture on Skype, and it's you dressed up as Indiana Jones, and you have, like, horrible red eye in it, and it freaks me out. I apologize. I'm Steven, and I'm Taylor's on the boards. And we have the person who is subjecting themselves to Final Fantasy Thirteen. Ah, Kimberly Wallace, uh, K-Star on the boards. So I have made a New Year's resolution that I am going to try to be more positive on this podcast, particularly about JRPGs, because, you know, I, I have a tendency to be negative. I have a tendency to point out flaws in games that I very much enjoy. So for the rest of this podcast, I will probably remain silent as we talk about the demo of Final Fantasy XIII 2, which just came out this week. We've all sat down and played it. We all seem to have different opinions on it, but I think it's an important game to talk about. It's really the first huge JRPG release of uh, 2012. So, Kim, you are the one who is in the middle of Final Fantasy 13. So you're, yes. you're playing that, you're like, what, about 18 hours in? That's where Yeah, you're... about 18 hours right now. I think I'm on Chapter 8 or 9. Okay, so now where do you stand? Before we talk about 13-2, let's figure out where everybody stands on 13. First off, everybody knows where I stand on 13. So Yeah, I don't feel like we need to spend too much we time on that. We don't have to do that again. So, Kim, where do you stand on 13? What are your general thoughts of it? Well, I think it's a very pretty game. And that's uh, what it really has going for it. Um, I like the environments. I like how they're varied. But there comes a problem with going in a straight line all the time. And I find that I think the battle system is fun. I like when you can take a traditional battle system and make it go fast and still make it um, engaging. Because I think it's engaging. I know Rob disagrees with that. But we'll stick to that. Um, Story and character-wise, don't care just don't care i do have um i like lightning but i don't love her i like that they brought a character like her and she has layers because i don't think we get enough of that really we get these one-dimensional characters a lot and i appreciate that but what i'm finding is that i really don't have i'm finding it hard to to keep going in the game and it sucks because you have games like dragon age 2 where we complained about the environments not being varied enough and I can say with full confidence, I've had more fun playing Dragon Age 2 than Final Fantasy 13 because the environments can be as pretty as they can make them, but it doesn't matter if I can't explore and I can't engage. So You're talking about thir- the original 13, right? Yes. Okay. Steven, where do you stand on 13? Um, I actually beat it for the first time uh, four days ago. And I stand in a position where I think it's a fun game, I think it has terrible pacing, and I think I, I think it loses a lot of what people loved about the old ones, and that's what people take issue with. I think it, it, it's a very different direction than the series has gone in the past, and I think the storytelling, and based on what I've seen in 13 too, I agree with that in, this, in that game as well. I feel like the storytelling is a little absurd, and you can't really engage with the characters because it doesn't really have any character moments. 
Yeah, how do you feel about 13's characters? I'm just curious, because I know you and me really go for story and characters. I I feel like they had great ideas for characters, but then... Well, I don't know if you guys recall, but after Final Fantasy XII came out, they, they came out and they said that a big problem with that game for them was that it went through several different directions, and that's why they felt like it wasn't as strong as it could have been. And I feel like the same thing happened in 13. Like, they had so many ideas, but they didn't really know what game they were trying to build. And in doing so, they kind of forgot to have characters that have any sort of believable or, you know, any, any sort of plot or story that you actually care about. Like, I just beat Radiant Historia, and I, you know, the characters in that game have no voices, and, you know, that game reach, you know, you go through a lot of the same areas over and over again, whereas the characters in that, they're just, they, their struggles are a little more believable, and they're they're tied down in, like, actual struggles, whereas in 13, it's like, oh my god, LOL's the foul sea. I feel struck by the foul sea and fate and foul sea, and it's really bad. Foul sea, foul sea, foul. One thing that I find interesting is the fact that I, I don't find a lack of voice acting to, in fact, uh, you know, remove my immersion in the game, I, I kind of find it in, in RPGs, right, specifically JRPGs, to engage me. I don't listen to voice acting in games. I'll listen to the first chunk of it, and then as soon as I'm done reading the subtitle, I'll press the button. Yeah, I remember you were telling me about that with Dragon Age, and I thought that was very, very different from the way I was playing it, where I actually turned the subtitles off. See, I, I actually, I, I agree with you, John, to an extent. I think in certain games, if the voice acting is good and the writing permits it, uh, I think voice acting can get you more into the characters. But within, I, I think that maybe that's why it fails in, in JRPGs is because JRPGs tend to be really, really long-winded. Mm-hmm. And well, maybe voice acting doesn't, you know, isn't so useful there because, you know, you're going through lines and lines and lines of dialogue. We've talked about voice acting before, and there's a very different thing between a literal translation between a literal translation where we're going to make sure that this is exactly what is said in the original Japanese and, and then a trans a, tra- a localization exactly where you're making it sound natural to native English speakers and I think that more and more the fans have really started to desire and you know what we see this on message boards fans really want the literal translation these days that's what I hear a lot of is people saying we want the literal translation. See- and I think that they really don't want that. They think that they want that. Yeah, the literal translation usually hurts my ears. Like, it doesn't sound right. Being a native English speaker, it just – it doesn't sound right. You know, adding you know to, like, the end of a statement or whatever or having an improper inflection or just it, – it completely screws it up for me. And then it starts being painful to listen to, and that's when I do what John does, and I skip it. And I, I start skipping the actual – uh, the actual dialogue, the audio. That's actually something that I noticed, like, well, you know, I study Japanese, and, you know, that's something I noticed over time, is that if you just translate something literally, you don't get something that sounds like fluid English, you get something that sounds like Japanese translated into English. There's an additional step after that, I think, of making it sound natural to an English speaker that is basically necessary if you want it to sound not awkward, especially with voice acting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, John, we... I don't know if John's ever talked about for 13 on the show. Where do you stand on 13? Did you enjoy it? All right. So it's not that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy Final Fantasy 13. It's that Final Fantasy 13 just doesn't have anything to make me give a crap about it. Um, it it's the battle system's fine. I mean, the characters are okay. 
but there there's no impetus for me to keep playing. It's not like, oh man, I want to find out what happens next, or oh man, I'm having a lot of fun with this battle system, or oh wow, I really like the music. It's just kind of like, well, this game is here. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, and I'm... I I kind of agree with that. That's that's sort of how I felt. Like I played it because I've beaten the majority of the other Final Fantasies, and I felt like, all right, well, it's part of that series. I should probably finish this. Yeah, I, I think it's a noble experiment. I mean, I'm glad that Final Fantasy thirteen came out. I'm glad that it exists. I think that, you know, Japanese game development really did have a hard transition into uh into the H D era. I think somebody I think it was somebody on One Up wrote an article about how, you know, some of the big Japanese franchises really struggled going to the PlayStation three, Xbox three sixty because they they just didn't realize how much time it was going to take to develop these games. And so now we're starting to see them get their act together. And I think, you know, with 13.2, what we keep hearing is we listen to your complaints about the lack of an overworld, about the linear dungeon design, about the no towns, and we've addressed those. And right away in the demo, and this is me being positive, right away in the demo for 13.2, you see that, yes, you are in fact in a town, and you can move around, and you don't just have to go down a straight linear path good for you guys it's like okay you listen to that complaint my my thing with it is that I, i'm glad they listened to all the complaints but and I, I think i read this on i can't remember who wrote it someone on the internet wrote it and uh they said the game is great you know they addressed all the gameplay complaints but the thing that made all the old final fantasies the most memorable for me i don't i don't think back to final fantasy 9 my favorite one and go oh man i remember when i learned that ability and it was so awesome I remember all the moments with the characters and the plot moments that were really significant, like when Zidane has his crisis of faith or whatever, and all the characters bust out and help him in a battle. That's what I remember. And Final Fantasy, in my opinion, thirteen is completely devoid of those moments. Mm-hmm. That's what about, actually what I'm worried about, what about for thirteen uh, too. You know, you have when uh, what's his face, the annoying kid, forgives the the butthead. Yeah, but he forgives him for saving his life. It's like, oh, I'm sorry that my mom died, but you saved my life doing so, or something. Yeah. I remember, oh, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Like, that entire arc just seemed very forced. No, I hear you. And it was like an excuse I, to get I, poked I was, I was being sarcastic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I don't think he meant that. <laughs> I like the part when the music swells when you first fight Odin and lightning saves him. And, like, it plays that awesome song. I like the cinematics of it, but I feel like the same way, like where there has to be something with the writing that kind of connects you, makes you care. I am not trying to, I'm worried about 13 too, that it's going to be a lot like 13 where we don't really latch on to those characters. And when I first saw that the game had been announced and that they were using Lightning's sister, she wasn't exactly a popular character in 13. Like, nothing really drew you into her. So if they can make her interesting and fun and give her depth in this game, great. I'm just a little scared. I think she was kind of a MacGuffin almost. Like, she was just like, oh, yeah, she's here to give all the characters a reason to continue. I think that in... in 10 2, she's going to end up being like 10 2? You know, are you t- uh, 13 2? <laughs> well, the, my point has is related to 10 2. In 13 2, she's going to be in, end up being like 10 2's Yuna, where there there might be a character under there that actually matters, but we're going to pile on a bunch of other crap. That's what I think is going to happen. And I'm curious as to how big of a role Lightning actually will have in 13 2. There's all this speculation going on, but. 
What I want to know is how they're going to bring these characters back and make some of them that did not matter into 13 as much to people matter in 13 too. And add in like Noel, who does not seem to have, there's just no spark. I don't know how to explain. Like I'll watch the trailers and certain thing and there's nothing that like draws me in. And that, that, that worries me. But um, this, this is an issue. I actually, uh, it's something that happens with sci-fi a lot and sci-fi is great. And I, I consider 13 to be sci-fi. Mm-hmm. less so than fantasy all that spectacular stuff is great like Falci and all these crazy summons and wonderful graphics and insane drama but the characters are hollow and there's no human struggle there in the plot or with any of the characters like there's no struggle you can relate to and See, say okay this is why these characters are acting this way like it just they just seem to do things because that's what the plot calls for them to do and it completely makes it impossible for me to engage with them See, I, I, I agree with you completely there. One of my favorite shows on television is Warehouse 13. And even though Warehouse 13 is about all this crazy crap going on, it's the, the characters are very relatable. You know, you got the one of the guys who's, you know, a, an alcoholic and it's it's everything is very, very believable when it comes to the individual characters. But don't you think that, uh, you know, maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but I, I think that there was some drama in Final Fantasy 13 that I could relate to, like um, Snow losing his wife. Like that, and, and that's very early on in the game, so please don't let everybody give me a spoiler crap for that. <laughs> but like, Jesus God, that's in the, it's in like the first five minutes of the game. But like, Snow losing his love, like, I think that that's relatable, but I think the scenario and his reaction to it is where we have the dissonance. Because his reaction to it is, I'm going to be the hero. It's not remorse. It's not like he becomes pissy or he, you know, gets like cloud in seven and he's pissed. Like, he's just like, I'm going to go on an adventure and be a hero. And it's like, like, dude, I'd be like, I would be mortified if like my girlfriend got turned into a crystal. Like, I would just lose my ass. Like, I would, I would be completely like inconsolable. I would actually react more like hope. The problem is that hope is completely unlikable. See, th- th- that's the thing, too. Like, th- there are struggles in there, but the problem is that they feel so hollow. Like, everything feels contrived by the plot. Like, Snow has to get that attitude because he has to be the one that pushes them forward so that way they don't all just sit around and whine all day. And Hope has to get angry because otherwise he can't unleash his summon. And it just it seems like things happen just because that's, all right, well, we wrote this has to happen here. There's no organic flow to it. And, I, you know, I guess... Again, having played Radiant Historia recently, I feel like that's such a better example of, like, when you, I'm not going to spoil it because it's still relatively new, but when you get to the end, the main character has to make a decision, and when he makes it, you completely understand why he's making it. And, you know, it has to do with, you know, all the people he knows and everything he's doing, and when he does it, you, you can sympathize with it, because you're like, all right, yeah, I've been here within this entire game, I understand why he's thinking this, because we came to this conclusion together. Whereas in 13, it's like, oh yeah, uh... Snow's mad at Hope because he saw something that he didn't like or something, but I guess, and he's mad at Lightning because she, I don't know, something happened. I think that when you deal with the fantastical, and that's that's what Final Fantasy is. I mean, it's dealing with these fantastic scenarios and you know these these very science fiction themes and whatnot. You have to make the core of the character experience relatable. And exactly. I, I think back to like, um, let, let's take, uh, you know, since I believe that Final Fantasy has become more like anime in recent years, especially with 13, I think that the one that I would compare it to is like Evangelion. 
Evangelion on the surface is about giant robots fighting to prevent evolution. Like that is the most basic idea. But underneath all that are characters that are dealing with very real issues. You have um, Shinji dealing with abandonment issues from losing his mother and having a distant father. You have uh, Asuka, who also has family issues. You have insane. uh, Well, yeah, and these are all relatable problems that we can understand. And so regular people have right. They they have regular people problems that them. We root for them when they get into their giant robots and start beating the crap out of things. We root for them. Because and, you understand why they're doing that. Right. And so I feel like the beginnings of that were in 13. The problem was that the character reactions were so over the top or so not in line with what we as human beings, the real way we would react, that then it just creates a problem between the viewer and the actual moments happening on the screen where I'm just sitting there going, well, I wouldn't have reacted like that. Like, good Lord, what is going on here? Like, I don't know. I, I think that the fundamental storytelling, if I compare, let's look at Cyan in final fantasy six. Like it, he loses his family. He loses everything. He loses like, everything. He his loses entire his... castle gets poisoned by the bad guy. And we relate to him. And then he has a moment where he has to say goodbye to his family. And like, that is an emotional movement, a moment, and those 16-bit sprites were able to illustrate that better than Snow basically just saying, well, my girlfriend's a crystal. Guess well, I got to go save the world now. A more recent example, too, and I, I, I'm only doing this to, to mess with Rob, I guess. But well, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. No, I just think to, to play off what you guys are saying, though, I want to know how you guys felt about uh, Chocobo and Hair Man uh, – Sav in Final Fantasy 13 because I actually just got to a, a part like uh, recently in the game and I thought he had the most realistic reaction. Yes, I agree. That from any character in the game, I felt like they got that one right because that is exactly how I would have reacted if somebody did that to my, we'll just say, you know, if I had a child. Okay. Actually, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backpedal a little here. I completely agree. I forgot about Saz. Mm-hmm. I played the game when it first came out in Japanese and. Even without being able to fully understand everything, because, I mean, at the time, my Japanese wasn't that great. It still isn't, but I digress. You could see just from, like, what was happening that he seemed to be reacting differently to the other characters. And in English, his was the only, like, the only Eidolon fight that came out. And you're like, oh, my God, I understand why this guy is super pissed at Vanille. Like, mm-hmm. this guy, like, the you know, and her reaction to that was actually fairly realistic, too. You know, there was remorse, and you got, like, that was the most dramatic moment in the game, and then it's like it drops off the face of the earth. Yeah, and see, I didn't get to that point in Oh, you didn't get that far. I I didn't get that. I think I put in about 10 hours. See, that was the one... The one scene, because I just had recently hit it, and it just, like, I was like, wow, this, if more of this was going on, then I could understand, because it was such a realistic response, and just the emotions and the energy going on in that scene, and I think you're right, Rob, with Snow, you're like, well, he's here to play a role. I don't think that we saw a reaction that necessarily would take. I mean, I know everybody wants revenge on what's going on, and that's realistic in its way, but that one just felt so real, so if they could have maybe done more, like, in that vein, we would have been fine, but... Do we... Go ahead, Stephen. I don't want to interrupt. And that actually affected, like, when you're playing the game at that moment, too. Like, you're sitting there, you're like, oh, my God, I'm totally with this guy. So when the fight starts, you're like, oh, man, I understand, like, why, you know, you got into the fight. I mean, for me, you know, you get more engaged in the fight. You're more invested in its outcome because you actually care. 
Because you're like, this guy got totally boned and he's pissed. And I think it's the first time I actually got mad. I was like, Neil, how could you? Like, it's just like the whole, that whole scene and everything that happens, you just actually, that was one part. I won't say I didn't care ever, but the game started to pull me in. Now, Stephen, you you finished the whole thing and you said it kind of drops off after that, though. They don't have much going on that scene. They develop more with what size, you know, with size of stuff. But the problem is the game gets so wrapped up and it's we have to save the world that yeah. most of the other character moments are pretty much relegated to a couple minutes in the ending. Gotcha. Uh, so now to, to get back to 13-2, um, do we uh, – just based off of my limited time, I mean all I've done is play the demo. Once again, I find that I have no connection with these characters, but is that coming as a result of the fact that I didn't finish Final Fantasy thirteen, or is that we still have this continued problem? Now, Steven, you're the only one that finished it, so uh, – I mean, I, apparently they're going to put a glossary in the game. They're going to they're going to put like a previously on Final Fantasy thirteen to get the, people. The, ready. The, overall, the overall story of the game is actually pretty simple. You know, I read a you know a uh, a synopsis, and I think I'm fully prepared to go into the game. Okay. It's not like it's it's incredibly complicated. I think that that's actually something that that it's a failure in the original game is that because these cutscenes are so difficult to produce and that sort of thing Japanese companies haven't haven't come to terms with being able to tell a story without cutscenes and yeah. I, I hope that there's something that they can get better at because I've seen a lot of western games that are able to tell story while you're playing where you get dialogue sequences you get things that are happening while you're playing yeah. and there there were there were some of those like you got little little bits when they talk to each other as you're running around but it never really told a part of the story. I think if they get better at that, that, and I'm hoping that's something that happens in, in 13.2, that they'll really succeed. Yeah. Well, I, and that's that's just it. I felt like the demo didn't really show any storytelling that much and didn't go into that much with the story or characters. So I walked away from that demo just looking at all that they've improved gameplay-wise, and I have no, like... Right now, no opinion on the characters or story because uh, I feel like I didn't get enough from it. All, all we know is, oh my god, you can time travel or you can you can yeah. shift dimensions and holy crap, there's a giant invisible hand man. Uh, I mean, I, I have my oh, worries about 13, but the demo didn't really give us much to go off. Like we didn't have like any banter between the two characters, between Sarah and Noel or anything. We didn't have any good like a lot of lengthy scenes or anything. So. I have to admit, the first thing you read in the game kind of made me laugh and how ridiculous it sounded. After battling a gigantic arm. Yeah. I was like, all right, guys, I can't take you seriously if you're going to write crap like that. I'm so glad that John pointed out the cutscene thing because I've been going back and I've been playing older games lately with a lot of cutscenes. And I am realizing that I'm kind of over cutscenes. I, I I loved them, you know, back in the day. I, I remember watching the original cutscene for Resident Evil Two and just like well, well, losing I, my mind. But like, to I me, the, the, it, go, the, go ahead, John. The, the cutscene has changed, though. It's not a well in in Final Fantasy Thirteen. It is. It's not necessarily boom. We're going to take you out of everything. Here's going on. A lot of them are done with in-game engines now. Um, actually, the even though they're you're losing all control. You're not doing anything. The cutscenes in 13.2 are all done with the in-engine as opposed to the previous game, which were rendered. Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like cutscenes are becoming the absolute worst way to tell a story. And I think we're we're getting spoiled with that in Western RPGs, where 
this, we have characters that are talking directly to me. I mean, when you're Shepard, you're participating in the cutscenes. You're answering questions. You're asking things. See, but I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I, I, let me just finish up the point real quick. Like when I'm just watching a cutscene, when I'm just watching characters, you know, flitter about the screen, and I, I watch this amazing action, and I'm like. You know, I'm I'm kind of over that, and I, maybe I've changed as a gamer, but I kind of start to shut down now when I see a cutscene. I'm not interested. I want to be a part of the story. I don't want to be. This gets to the editorial that I wrote about Final Fantasy 13 versus The Witcher. Not to pimp my own material again, but like, I felt so much more a part of The Witcher's world than any of the gorgeousness going on in Final Fantasy 13 because the extent of my participation in that game is setting up battle formations. I'm not doing anything. I, I don't necessarily agree with that last comment, but I do agree. Like, there's so much like spectacular stuff happening, and so much, in, you know, implied drama that you're almost like, all right, okay. I I think that the main difference here is is not necessarily how cutscenes work, but there's a difference between you get in most Japanese RPGs, they're telling their story, they're telling the story of these characters, this is and. Nice. In, and in most Western RPGs, they're telling your story, your shepherd, your hawk, your Fusrodagai. Fusrodagai. Like, that... Well, sorry. I just want to go back to something. Now that you bring up like Western RPGs and how you have choices going on through it, I'm actually really concerned about choice in now that they've added it into 13.2 because I have a feeling that it's not going to really matter. And I was telling John when I played the demo and I was going through, I accidentally triggered a battle when I meant to go do another way to get around the battle. And I went into it and I died like right in one hit right away. And I had had a choice wheel and I had picked to go a different route to do it to, um, oh, uh, Try to see could, if I could control the machine, right? So then I went and I controlled the machine, and then I did the battle, and of course it was easy to beat. So my old question was, when I went through that, was the only way to beat that battle to have done that, or was there another way? Or was I, am I forced, even though I'm making a choice, I'm forced into the right way? Like, that's what I'm worried about happening in 13-2. What, what I think is going to happen is that it's going to be a, as opposed to a, a or B, this is a branching path. You go one way or another, like you see in a lot of games. You know, uh, Tactics Ogre is like that, where it's got eight different endings, where you go one way or you go the other. I think it's going to be a kind of a side questy thing, where it's, do you want to go and do extra stuff? This will give you X or Y. Yes, no. I don't think it's going to be like, do you want to... It's it's not going to be like uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, where it's like, do you want to kill this guy or do you want to let him go? This might have repercussions later. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be, um, okay, do you want to go over here or do you want to go over here and then come back over here? Well, you could go with this or you could go with that and you could you go could with go this with and you could go with that. Well, see, uh, that's what I hate, though. I hate when you get choices and they don't like if I if you're going to give me choice in a game, have it be like. Have it affect like the outcome right. of what's oh. going to happen in some sense, or like in Deus Ex, um, I pick which way I want to take down an enemy, but that's still my choice and how I want to go about it. I could go around the enemy, or I could just go flat at them. Like I didn't like when I did the demo. What I got concerned with was if I went straight to try to take the guy down myself. Like there was, it was. I don't know if that. 
I don't know if that battle is possible to beat because it was like one hit and my team was dead. So that's kind of what I'm saying because it looks like you had a choice to rush right in. Yeah, as so. as long as long as there are no dialogue sequences that go, do you want to do this? Yes, no, and you select no, and it's like no, that's the wrong answer, and sends you back to that dialogue. I'll be happy. <laughs> or what about uh you know the, the main complaint in Battlefield uh three was that it there's certain scenes where you have to like murder someone or you have to do it in this specific time if you try to walk out of the room you just fall dead it's like somebody literally yanked your matrix cord and you just fall dead because you're not doing exactly what the game wants you to do like what's the what's the point in having that then you know that's what i'm worried about it's like implied choice but but anywho (laughs) like that, that reminds me of metal saga and patrick's review of it where at the very beginning of the game, they ask you, do you want to go on an adventure or do you want to stay home and have a family? And Patrick picks, I want to stay home and have a family, and it gives him a game over screen. <laughs> I do like it when games do that. But uh, So let's let's talk more about 13.2. I mean, first off, Square Enix's presentation is beautiful. I mean, I love the menus. I love the music, you know, for what I heard of it. The graphics are good, although I do I, I really think that the rain graphics in that opening area look horrid. Like See, it it just looks like streaks. Like it, it, it like really guys, like this this looks awful. Like Metal Gear Solid 2 had better rain. Got my Metal Gear reference in. It it, it looks terrible. But like the character designs look good. I mean the the monsters look like monsters. I mean it the presentation is still good. It's okay, Rob. I can take over if you want. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, the presentation looks good. I, no. I, I, oh, go ahead. I will. Like no, you. I was just going to say, you know what? For my impression of the demo is that they, they did a lot of things that I liked with the gameplay. Um, I think that the monsters in the party was great because I for once didn't have to rely on a party member to heal. Cause once I got a monster that could heal, he took care of all of that. Um, I liked the side quests, um, the crystal terrium when you were expanding it now if you go up a level you can choose to like do a bonus stat boost or unlock a new class or increase your atb gauge can, can, um, can i can i stop you right there because that really scares me like why I, is it scary that you could screw up somehow? yes the crystarium scared the crap out of me because as soon as i the first thing i could upgrade for each of my characters it was like do you want to upgrade ravager or do you want to upgrade medic and i'm like Oh my God! You're doing that Western RPG thing where I might break my whole party. Uh, I, I, I doubt that. You know, you honestly get to most of these JRPGs where you're you're pretty set within a couple of levels of what you want this character to be. Now, I haven't played I haven't played more than a demo, but from the idea that I get from the game is that you only have these two characters. You don't get other folks. So yeah. It's not, so, so the I monster think, actually becomes then your third party member. Yeah, and I, and I think that they, they're giving you the freedom because you can you can make your two characters however you want. But it's also where it's not going to be like Western RPGs where you play Fallout. You're going to be the guns guy until you maxed out guns. Then you focus on energy weapons or anything. It's going to be, well, I need to put some points into Medic so I have somebody who can heal. I need to have some points in a Ravager so I can have somebody who can cast Magic. I need some points in Commando for Physical. Right, and as long as you can still grind for levels in the game, then yeah, like if, if you haven't been upgrading your Medic stat enough, then maybe you can go somewhere and just, you know, beat on enemies for a while. But still, like, that did really scare me because, like, the, the biggest problem I had, the, the most fundamental problem I have with 13 is I don't like the battle system. I don't like the lack of control over the battle system so now i am 
picking the abilities that my characters are going to use rather than picking those abilities and then choosing them in battle. So I'm once again relying on that wonderful AI system to run but, the battle system for me. And you, that, you know, you, you spoke a little bit before the podcast when when uh, before we started about how, how you felt the AI was bad. And I think that the the battle system was actually pretty good. I, I, I agree. I, 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 yeah. I like the, the AI. There were some times where it did things that weren't good. Yeah, it wasn't often. It wasn't often. I'll agree to that. But. Most of the time it was, okay, I can focus on what I want to do, and I can focus on changing my uh, changing the paradigm so that, that my party is doing the right thing as opposed to this character is doing the right thing. I, I get the point of the battle system. I do. And it, 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 it's an interesting battle system, and I like the fact that it feels like you know, you're changing tempos. I, I very much equate it to music. Where it's like this is the um, this is the real this is the real crazy part where I gotta make sure that I get all my health back up and then we're gonna slow the tempo down a little bit by using some sentinel skills like I, I do like it from an idea standpoint it's just that it goes against everything that I look for in a game where I'm all about player control I'm all about being able to pick my destiny but I yeah. See, and, and I think that that you know we actually had had Dave say to Rob, "Well, this is kind of like being a coach." I think that you can choose. <laughs> I was a coach. <laughs> I, I think that you can choose what your party is doing, but it, it, it's you know a a overarching control. It's okay. I want you guys to to be this combination of things. I want you guys to be that combination of things. Mm-hmm. And I oh. think that it, I think that it succeeds at this. Mm-hmm. And plus, at least it's giving you a choice now if um, you want to flee from battles so you're not stuck in them if you get caught. Because that was a big thing with me in 13. Sometimes I just didn't want to fight. And, uh, you know, now I have the option to flee if I get lost or I'm looking around. And preemptive strikes are a lot easier to get as well, which I thought it was... It well, You could do it in 13, but you had to be really sneaky about it. So, I don't know. How did you guys feel about the temporal rifts in it? I still don't understand them. I didn't like it because I'm not a puzzle person, but once I figured it out, like it, I mean, I was able to do it, but I worry that it's something that I won't like as the game goes on. I mean, it's a good break from the actual like combat and everything else. It's something different, but I don't know if it's like, if it's not your thing, I could see like, it just not really clicking with anyone. I say I could see somebody not liking it. I thought it was really great, but I like you, stuff like that. But you like puzzles and stuff. Like I'm not a big puzzle person. Cause I'm very much like, I want to get through things as fast as possible. And I don't like to sit there and stand and think, but I mean, none of them were too hard yet, but I worry as the game gets on, like you could spend a lot of time figuring out exactly where you need to step. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get in difficulty, but that was about the only thing from the demo that is kind of like eh, i don't know um and the side quests the the only thing that bothers me with the side quests i'm worried that they're going to be very and this has always been in final fantasy so don't get me wrong i just don't like it just a little bit too much fetch questy and not enough like if i like i like side quests if they flesh out like certain parts of the story or add something um you know how I, i'm just not a big fan of fetch quests so i i, I had a similar concern although to be honest, I'm kind of expecting to see some fetch quests and then some meaningful quests, um, probably in less in number than the fetch quests. But that mm-hmm. seems to be that was the trend that happened in Xenoblade, for example. Xenoblade had a crap load of very easy fetch quests that you could do just by being there. 
but it also had some really meaningful quests that fleshed out the characters in town and fleshed, you know, you improved your relationships with people. I find it interesting that um, when people talked about 13, the thing that I saw in just about every review was we don't like the fact that the game's really slow, it has really bad pacing, we don't like the story, we don't like the characters, but we like the battle system. And so I think that what the main focus that they've done is they, they've fixed, you know, the having the straight linear path, you don't have that anymore, and they've really focused on making the game more interactive and adding things like side quests to make it feel more like a traditional Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think from that, if those were your major issues with 13, then I think you'll like 13 too. But if your major issue with 13, which for me was the battle system, I don't think there's anything that this game can well, do. if you didn't like the battle system, you're not going to go into this and really have it no. change your mind. <laughs> it's the exact same battle system. It, yeah. it, they've, they've spiced it up. I, I do like the idea of recruiting monsters. I think that's a cool idea. But uh, it, it to me, it's still that really tedious, you know, stagger. Enemies have insane number of hit points. Uh, it, you know, I just, it, to me, I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like the battle system, but I respect it. It isn't my cup of tea, so it's not going to change my mind. You know, I, I, that's my two cents on it. I think that's true. If you didn't like the battle system, you won't. But that was always kind of the point of this. And it actually brings up an issue I have with some sequels, especially from Japanese games lately. And it's like reactionary game design. Um, and, you know, this is actually one of the reasons I didn't like Twilight Princess. I felt like it was just, okay, they didn't like we changed things, so we're just going to make super dark Ocarina of Time. And, you know, Twilight Princess. however you so feel about the game, you know, that's fine. But I, I really strongly feel that they, the design in Twilight Princess and how dark it was was a result of how many people had backlash against the very, very whimsical look of Wind Waker. And I, I, feel, I, like, I feel like 13.2 is similar in a way because people complained about certain aspects and those very vocal people were the ones they listened to. So they've added, you know, it's less linear. They've added tweaks to the battle system, which I think they've enhanced quite a bit. You know, being able to change mm-hmm. characters, the monster system seems very in-depth, and I could see that being almost Shin Megami Tensei in its, you know, your compulsion to make the most awesome monsters. And everything seems great, but it seems like they... St- I'm not getting a sense that this is what Square Enix wanted to do. It was what they wanted to do to make a game that would sell more copies. And obviously that's that's the goal. But I, I feel like when you, you have reactionary game design like that, you lose passion from the developers. And that's the vibe I got from the story. Ever since I saw that it was a time travel story, I kind of felt like they were throwing everything out the window from 13 and just being like, well, this is easy. Let's do this. It lets us be totally random in everything. And that's not what 13 needed because 13 was hard enough to relate with. So, well, I. Uh- I think it's going to be – if you had problems with certain aspects of 13 and you wanted to see a more traditional Final Fantasy game with you know a side quest and that sort of thing, I think you'll really enjoy 13 too. But I think if you if you fundamentally didn't like the battle system, you're, you really have no reason to play this game, I don't think. Like it, it isn't going to change your mind. That's true. And it didn't change my mind. And that, you know, but I, I feel like that's not what they're aiming for. They're not no. aiming to really change your mind. They're aiming to please the people who – did enjoy 13, but had a lot of complaints about it. Right. They've made their decision. They they know what they want the 13 franchise because, you know, this isn't a spoiler to say, but apparently there's a giant to be continued at the end of 13-2. So there's probably going to be a 13-3. I don't like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That makes me upset. 
that's like they've never and they've never done that? something like that before. So that kind of is like you know we got ten to so we are used to having you know a direct sequel. You know that wasn't anything new. But if they're gonna follow this up with then a third game, I don't know. I don't think thirteen has the dedication to characters like other Final Fantasies had for them to really do that. And unless they really change the storytelling in thirteen two and make characters that people can really connect with, I don't think many people will be itching to play another game in the series uh, yeah and I, I feel too like that's just i don't feel like the world is like you said interesting enough to warrant having that like there are very few games i would sit through a third sequel for mass effect i'm involved in it so sure but mm-hmm. you know when you it only just have seems a very weird for 13 to do it like it just seems like that's an like the cast i i never hear people really talking about the cast as passionately as other final fantasy games so it seems like a really interesting decision to decide this is the cast we should you know maybe possibly go into a third game on which is something that they've never done before so it's absurd to me that a game like 13 is going to get two sequels and final fantasy 7 which People have been whining about a sequel or a remake forever. Mm-hmm. You got one. You got, got Crisis Core. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they got one. awesome. That was yeah, uh, spin-offs, where, though. It wasn't Final Fantasy Another, 7. It wasn't Final Fantasy 7 2. It was Final Fantasy well, 7 minus 1. But, but yeah, and it was better than Final Fantasy 7, but I digress. You say spin-off, but Final Fantasy 13 2 seems more like a spin-off than a direct sequel. Same with Final Fantasy 10 2. They're not they're it's not like Oh yeah, we're gonna continue the same tone or even the same kind of plot thread. They were just kind of like, let's have a bunch of crazy crap in this world. Yeah, that's why I stayed the hell away from Ten Two. Okay, now Ten Two wasn't so bad. The final battle song in Ten Two was off the chain. Yeah, no, that's I like that battle. I, I, I enjoy how how Stephen's first argument for just about every game is whether or not the soundtrack was good. <laughs> He's the soundtrack guy. Yeah, he wouldn't be doing his job if he didn't. Yeah, come on, John. I got a uh, good soundtrack. Speaking of which, I think I'm going to get an Amalur soundtrack review. Woo! Ooh, cool. Ooh. Uh, so I guess thirteen two. What we're saying is, you know, good on Square for Square Enix for trying. You know, to, to please the fans, but I think it is a reactionary move. I 100% agree with Steven on that. Do we think I, – I don't, I don't like to do the prediction thing on, on how is it going to sell, but I, I think it is important to talk about because apparently the sales numbers in Japan, not so good. My, my thing with that – sorry, go ahead, Joe. I think it's going to do well enough. Um, I, do I think it's going to be spectacularly well-selling? No, but it's going to be good enough. Well, and they were all, they're also reusing assets, let's be honest here. Assets that they created for Final Fantasy thirteen. Well, they admitted as much. To and be plus, honest, it, it took them half the, not even half the time to make this game and to turn it around. So, I mean, it doesn't need to sell as well. Like, it wasn't as important for this to sell a crap load of copies as it was for thirteen because there was so much more time invested in that. I so, agree. a smaller number of sales may still be... A successful release. Hey, yeah, it, it's all about return on investment, and you know when you get a game like, I what's what's Atlas released lately? D- Devil Summoner or Devil Devil Survivor Two that's coming out a little bit later this month or next month. This is still January. Devil Survivor is probably going to only have to sell, I don't know, somewhere between ten and thirty thousand copies for that to be successful for them, maybe more. Because they don't have a huge budget on it, they don't need to return. That maybe it'll be a little bit low, but uh, regardless, they they don't need to have a million seller on their DS RPG that doesn't have voice acting. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like Gears of War where they drop a zillion dollars on it in a huge marketing campaign, and you know they need to sell a million copies to break even. You know, it's like when you look at uh, at the Zavoid games, Cthulhu Saves the World and uh, Breath of Death 7. They've sold something like, you know, 100,000 copies, but that is an amazing success for them. That I pulled that number out of my butt. I have no idea what they've sold, but I think it's around there. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. I mean, it. I don't think Square Enix has to sell nearly as many copies to make an investment on it. I, I think that they're... Square Enix has some decisions to make coming up. You know, are they? What are we going to do with Final well, Fantasy versus Thirteen? I mean, what, what I'm hoping is they learn more from their Western developers, and they learn. You know, I, I was reading an article somewhere not not so long ago where they were learning things like focus groups and other things. Yeah, that, I read that article too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? Oh, yeah, yeah, I read that. Too. Sorry, yeah, I read that. Yeah, things that they're learning from IDOS and the companies that they've acquired from the West. That I think that they can use to be successful. I think that that I think that one thing that some RPG fans will be unhappy with was is that will probably mean that the types of saga games that come out will be slim to none. You know, you won't have. I don't. I don't know if Front Mission is coming back. I doubt it. You know, they made a westernized one. I really would like a Front Mission six, but. I have this vision of like the Square Enix guys all sitting down for a group meeting with Eidos, and the, and Eidos shows uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution, and Tetsuya Nomura looks over and goes, Leather jackets and shades, we got that covered. Leather jackets and shades? <laughs> we got that. We got, oh, you mean focus group. Oh, oh yeah, ac- we could work that's on actually, that. <laughs> that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about Square Enix lately. Their games are so different than what they used to be, and I don't know how I feel about it. Excuse me. I know how. Because I, I mean, even I love the Kingdom Hearts games, but everything is becoming like, and again, I may draw some ire for saying this, but everything's becoming like hyper fabulous, fashionable, super pretty, like plasticky, just beautiful colors and crazy presentation, but no soul. I, I don't know. Not, not, not every game, but I feel like that everything is getting a little more towards the absurd side of storytelling. No, I think that I think that anything that Tetsuya Nomura has his hands in yeah. is kind of the absurd side of storytelling. Well, like, it's, what's, it's almost a story to communicate the stuff he wants to do in the gameplay, and then they try to keep taking the story seriously. If uh, okay, let's real quick just to get a barometer. What is everyone's favorite Square Enix story? Just from from any SquareSoft or Enix or Square Enix title. What's your favorite story? For me, it's Vagrant Story. Vagrant Story was so ahead of its time in terms of cinematography, in terms of ideals. It, it, I mean, that to me is the essence of soul in a video game story. I need to beat that. I always that, want to beat that. That game is phenomenal. And that storyline, like, even just the way it's shot, just the way it actually uses conventional camera tricks to, like, hide ghost characters and stuff, it's awesome. It's beautiful. And then when I watched the cacophony of just insanity with Final Fantasy 13 and verse and 13-2. Like my brain, you know what I equate it to? When you watch the the Transformers movies and you just see metal and just churning and violence and just explosions and your brain literally can't comprehend what you're watching. That's how I feel when I watch a cutscene in ver- in 13-2 or 13. Where my bra- and with the battle system too. My brain cannot comprehend what's going on on screen. Uh, I, I'll support your point, but I do want to answer your question too. Um, 
and, uh, and uh, my example for it has always been the older Final Fantasies are the older Star Wars movies. The newer Final Fantasies are the newer Star Wars movies. Maybe there, there's not as much of a gross difference, but the newer Star Wars movies were not focused on telling a close character plot. They were focused on showing you a lot of pretty crap, and the threads that held it together weren't exactly there. I 100% agree. I, I, I think that... Well, I, I want to talk about the battle system and how you say it's big and flashy. One thing that I found interesting is that regardless of how big and flashy it is, I don't think I ever noticed that stuff because much like in World of Warcraft, I was looking just at the numbers that were popping up. And I was looking yeah. at the bars. I was looking at the meters. I really didn't care what animations were going on. I was looking at the nuts and bolts of what was happening. Same thing with WoW. I can't remember what half the, the raid bosses in WoW that I killed look like. I remember the what i needed to do and i remember the the numbers and i remember the the nuts and bolts of things so how do you how I, do you deal with final fantasy 13 then because like final fantasy 13 is just insanity in terms no, of it, numbers and meters no, and see, no, his, his not, point was to go against that the uh, in final fantasy 13 it's still pretty obvious where you are and what you need to do i think that that even though there's a layer of a bunch of crazy stuff there's still the the at the core. There's the information that needs to get to you, and it's easily available to you. I, I agree. I don't I don't necessarily agree with Rob, uh, Rob's criticism that you know it, there's so much going on you can't focus. Because when I played 13, I was very rarely even looking at the battle. I mean, honestly, you probably could have cut the graphics out of it and just kept the numbers and where the enemies were on the screen, and I would have been fine. Because very rarely do you have a moment where you can stop controlling things. And set and just stare at the pretty graphics because if you do, you'll be dead within a couple of seconds. Yeah, and I think that's where I don't care. I feel like all I'm doing is watching the meters, and if I try to watch the actual battle system, all I'm seeing are numbers flying off that have no meaning to me. I'll, I, one thing I did want to point out about thirteen two, am I the only one that saw that the that occasionally the heal spells weren't working? Because right. I would get I would get healed uh, like the character would heal uh, Noel. And they would cast two heal spells on him, and he would heal for 230 each time, and only one 230 would show up. Interesting. I didn't notice right. that. Yeah. I, 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 maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I was like, um, shouldn't 230 plus 230 be 460? And I only went up 230, and I didn't get attacked again? I'm sitting – I'm having that flashback to Final Fantasy XII where <coughs> all my action bars filled up on my cure spells, and the game didn't load. And so I ended up dying on the last boss because they just didn't fire off their cure spells. I was like, why? It was five minutes of the boss wailing on me and none of my guys curing themselves. Well, then. Sounds like your PS2 is broken. PS, <laughs> PS2 or PS3? Both, possibly. Definitely well, actually, PS3. Final Fantasy XII did have that recognized flaw where, like, if a move was loading, other moves couldn't load. Yeah, and then but sometimes the enemies could still wail on you. Which yeah, really. That, that was a, that was more of a technical limitation. But I, I agree, it was frustrating. Especially the final boss had a lot of moves where he would wind up and be doing something, and you'd be like, uh, "Heal, please," and you, all your guys would be like, "Nope." Yeah, that. Well, nope. So, uh, do we want to talk about ten two, or we're kind of running like into an hour here? So, do, do we want to talk about the dress I, spheres and the the dancing and the. We can talk for a little bit. I know that I, I know that Kimberly has stuff to say, but I don't think the rest of us have have a wide breadth of things to say about it. We'll go off on tangents. That's fine. <laughs> no, Which, I just. Well, I mean, I beat it, so. Yeah. yeah no, I think we all beat it. Yeah. I I didn't even play it. 
Okay, okay. well, the rest of us well, all beat we'll it. Well, we'll leave you up. Yeah, it's been years, years since I played, though. No, I'll tell you guys why. I Like, a lot of people d- dislike 10-2, because, I mean, it was a little ridiculous. You started the game off, and suddenly it was like, Yuna was a part of the Spice Girls on stage, know, and you're like, what the heck is going on here? But motion doesn't me. <laughs> Somebody's going to make a wave of that. Anyways. All I had to see was the commercial, and I was like, nope. <laughs> no, but here's here's what I why I appreciated uh, 10-2. I feel like in 10, we had a really dark story for you know When people died, she had to dance. She had to take on that huge plate, everything with it. I felt like I got to 10-2, and suddenly I had a Yuna who was saying words like disasterific and everything else, which was like a complete, I mean, <laughs> you can say, it was just a complete, like, you know what, I'd rather see her like that than so sad like she was in 10. It was a nice she, change of place. And I think what I like, liked about 10-2, yeah. 10-2 was like a girl's night out. Like, it was just fun. It was silly, and I, I appreciated it for what it was. It'll be interesting to see what they do actually connecting this with 13-2 if they do have a little more fun with it than they did with, which I doubt. Chocolina. There you go. It's already starting. Rob, you cannot take issue with Chocolina. Japanese RPGs have had weird, quirky characters forever. I was yelling at people on the boards about this. Like people like she's so weird, and I'm like, so are the two gay guys that sold you gay trading cards in Shadow Hearts. But we love that game. We love them. I actually did like them too. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, so I, everyone's argument is null. I think what tend to... Um, I, I think that, that you're using Shadow Hearts as an example of, hey, this is normal. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of way off there. Yeah, that's true. I think... Um, I think 10-2 just didn't... I really like 10. I, I, I have watched the Spoonie Experiment videos on it, and yes, the story is a tad bit ridiculous. I love the, the counter on the number of times that Yuna is kidnapped. It, it's... It, <laughs> <laughs> but I liked the game. I, I adore that game's battle system. I absolutely adore it. Um, but ten two, like, even though I was intrigued by the battle system, I kind of liked the fact that it was going to be a return to active time battles. Just the tone of that game, like, Kim, I understand that you like it, and I, I can respect a game that wants to go out there and have a girl's night out, but as a person who lives and breathes and would have a Dark Souls plush pillow if I could... I have no interest in that saccharine crap. Like, I have no interest in that. Like, it, All right, well, well Rob, you can go and listen to death metal and and have your own party in Sweden in the snow or whatever. Don't <laughs> you give up on it. Hey, though, Another though, one awaits you. Rob, Rob. I, ha- I half agree with you, Rob, because I didn't really, like, I thought it was a little ridiculous, but I didn't mind it. But... If- if Rob loves like death metal and stuff like that, how can he not love the crazy Chocobo song? <laughs> it's it's just that. Uh, but at the same time, a ten two was a glorious. Like I respect them for trying something so wildly and ridiculously different. Like that was the Square Enix that I loved. I think that's what I liked about it. I just liked that they took a complete chance. Totally like went and embraced this girls' night out. Like this this little like ridiculous thing going on the whole game like i didn't expect it was a nice break from 10 like i said 10 was super serious plus i mean if you got the perfect ending we had a cute thing for our little love story between oh my god no 10 2 super ending ruined it (laughs) though one thing super ending ruined the most meaningful part of all of 10 like the whole thing was about sacrifice and 10 2 is like nope 
Nope. Well, True love you know, it was fails. just to please people because, you know, they were whatever, but I thought it was nice. <laughs> so wh- one thing that, that I find interesting about the storytelling of 10-2, and this is a total tangent, but it always bothered me, is the, and this happened because they allowed you to name Tidus in Final Fantasy X. Every <laughs> single piece of dialogue in the 10-2. The star player of the Xanarkin Abes. What? What? He, he, he's he's making fun of ten. Go ahead, John. Oh no no no. Where because because you could name him. Everything is is done in him. He now that's something that also happens in Japanese where you tend not to talk to someone by their name. Yeah. Where it's you know it's it's he him or or they use you know big brother little brother big sis little sis whatever and they don't tend to refer to someone by name but because they never refer to him as titus he's just him he that guy whatever that and awesome really, blonde dude yeah and it really really bothered me i i actually agree that was something i in 10 actually because you can name him that's what i was i was joking about is that they had to come up with all these ridiculous ways to refer to titus without actually saying his name so they repeat, like, I remember a conversation at one point in the game where they referred to him at least three times as him, the star player of the Xanarkinades. And I'm like, ugh. Like, <laughs> the game should have had what, a default option. What or just actually, name it. What they've started doing now is they let you rename the character, but they just silence out the word of the name, or they just say the original name, but they have it say your name. Well, what's funny is is Mass Effect actually had a very good way of doing that. You could give your character in Mass Effect first name uh, whatever yeah. you wanted. My guy's Ezekiel Shepard. <laughs> your name is Shepard. <laughs> Ezekiel Shepard. Yeah, my name's not a surprise. Dwayne Shepard. Taylor Shepard. Taylor Shepard. Uh, but I think 10-2, it, it kind of caught everybody by surprise. I mean, when they announced it, I was like, Oh my god, they're making I, I remember one of my favorite Final Fantasy fan sites back in the day. I don't think it exists anymore. It might have been FF Online. But they they did an April Fool's joke one time where it was Final Fantasy Six Two. And I I absolutely lost my mind. I was like, Oh my god, Final Fantasy Six Two. Oh my Shadow's back. I can't handle it. And then at the bottom it was like April Fool's and I was like, Oh, I hate everyone, right? I don't want them to make that now. Yeah, I don't. I don't want any kind of sequel to Final Fantasy VI, and I also don't know what everyone's obsession with Shadow was. But uh, Shadow was not was, that cool. The he was a ni- he was a ninja. He was a mysterious ninja that was Realm's father. The best way to play that game was to just use Mog and Lock, and then drop everybody else from your party. But uh, I think that that it, it was so different when they announced Ten Two. Like I had that same reaction. I was like, Wow, I really enjoyed Ten. I'm really looking for what the. Why does Yuna have guns? Why is she wearing boy shorts? She's what the fabulous. What the hell is going on? Who is this? Is that a female squall? What the <laughs> What the yeah, hell? But she had the most interesting plot of any of the characters. It's a female squall. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, but she had the most meaningful plot developments in the entire story. You know what we need? We need a goth chick in this game cuz you know, we got the jailbait and we got the like fun loving <laughs> one. We need that goth chick that you know will do the really freaky stuff that's what we need in this game we need elizabeth salander in this game isn't there's a massage mini game in this game yes i was just gonna mention that rob actually <laughs> the most awkward sounding mini game ever that like, mini game sucked if you were trying to get the perfect ending because you couldn't screw up like at all i think um uh, 10-2 is a noble experiment, and I'm glad it exists, but I'm also glad that I avoided it like the plague. 
Rob, that's my favorite new phrase of yours. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it exists. That's your way of saying I think this thing sucks, but I want I want to be diplomatic. No, 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 no. <laughs> because I I think that in order for in order for games to get better, you have to go through some sucky ones. Like, well, there it's have not to be mistakes. A game, though. Yeah, it's not. But I I I like when there are experiments. I like when yeah. people do new things. Well, I like yeah. when they depart from what they usually do. We never got anything like that, and you know, it was a little kooky. But you know what? I like stuff like that every so often I, I don't always want really heavy stories and i'm all this so dramatic. glad that i'm so glad that heavy rain exists i am like i know i really <laughs> am because that's such a cool idea but you know i don't like the game i don't think it works but am i glad that it exists do i want other people to try it do i want people to actually make a story that makes coherent sense yes I think we all have the games that are that are like, wow, I this game is is not something that's really in my wheelhouse, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Like I have, you know, Sid Meier's Railroads. Oh it's my like God. One of, Did you watch the video Zach sent us? Oh, yeah. The epic railroad video. <laughs> oh. Like, I, I yes, I did. But that's not the point here. Um, oh. But you get Sid Meier's Railroads, which is one of the greatest strategy games that I've ever played. And I don't give a crap about railroads. You know, it's like, oh, in the West, a railroad spread. I don't I don't care. The history of railroads, I don't care about about the size of models or whatever. Oh, so I'm sorry. Scale H.O. What? Okay. I guess John just lost term. everybody. John just like absolutely lost. Oh, We're all just like, huh? No, talking about how much I don't care about these things. Oh, okay. Tale okay. about about scale models of trains. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone cared about and confused that. all of us in the process. When we mentioned trains, I think of Selfie in Final Fantasy VIII. She babbled on about trains all the time. Oh, self. Oh no. Does anybody else think trains and just think wild arms like that? That's what comes Hell, to mind. Yeah. I can't whistle right now. Damn it. <laughs> but i think that they're they're the great games that do weird things like tecmo's deception and, and these games that go way off the beaten path you mean and tecmo's I, Dece- deception rob's eternal awesome dream of having a house filled with traps <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I, I, go I, ahead to the stairs steven wait something but i feel like for those you. games are important because i feel like now especially we notice that people don't take many chances now in um no. this generation because of the economy and everything else and it's something that i know all of us are kind of longing for something that's different and that doesn't really go by the book steps outside the box Look, i really I, wish there is more you, you know, know I, like chrono cross that didn't never mind i was just gonna make fun of people who don't like chrono cross sorry yeah. <laughs> i i you know i love games like magic pendule for for the ps2 and and uh I, God, the, the Magic Pendulum, a game where you just draw a bunch of things that look like penises and fight them against each other. <laughs> I think that's how you I remember that. that but uh, <laughs> do we think that Final Fantasy... This gets to Steven's point they made earlier. Do, do we think that Final Fantasy XIII 2, it's a very reactionary move on Square Enix. Is this a safe move? And I, I think it, to a great extent, yes, it is. It's very easy for them to say, yeah, you know all those things that you didn't like about thirteen, but you love the battle system? Well, yeah, we did those. Go uh, spend uh, 60 bucks. At, at some point, it is about uh, creating a product that your fans will enjoy. And when your most vocal fans are saying how much they disliked the previous title, you you go with what's going to sell. I'm very interested to see how this sells in North America. Yeah, I, in a way, it's I, almost a bold move. 
And I think it's going to sell well because I think people are very much, they want a console JRPG. I know just the other day I was saying to John, I go, I just want to play um, a console JRPG. Like, and just, I miss it. I feel, I feel like it's, I haven't found one this generation that really fits me that I've really absolutely fallen in love with. And I think when <laughs> every time, well, well, I'll be getting that. This we're getting year, there. Sure. Yeah, there we're getting there. Uh, but I'm just saying when you think about it, um, we just want something that is just a JRPG to play. And we hope it takes us to that place. Like, there's always that hope. And I think you have people who are clinging to that and clinging to the Final Fantasy name because it brings them back to those, you know, nostalgic moments in their past. So I think that, you know, you slap Final Fantasy on it, you say you fixed the majority of what people said was broken in 13, and voila, I think it's going to sell well. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll get the numbers out and we'll see who is right, but I think it's going to sell pretty well. I think... And this isn't just – please, guys, don't take this as me just being cynical about the fact that I don't enjoy these two games. I really don't think it's going to sell well. I think it's a once-bitten, twice-shy type thing. I think a lot of people really weren't happy with 13. I don't see a lot of people picking this up. I, I, think, I, think, it'll, I think it'll do moderate, but I don't think it's going to be great. I think a lot of people have, still have that lingering goodwill from to Square Enix, though, and I think that – most of us still believe they can make an awesome game, and I think that will drive people to buy this. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I hope it does because I want Square Enix to come back. I I want to see the experimental Square Enix of old. I want to see them trying new things. I want to see, you know, it, it, is it wrong that the games that I'm most excited from coming out of Square Enix are from the guys that they bought? You know, like those are the games that I'm excited about right now. Like I'm, I'm excited for another Deus Ex. I, I'm not really excited for fi Final Fantasy used to be my favorite series. It, it was, guys. There was a, a young, youthful Rob Steinman that had hope and dreams and love for Final Fantasy, and he's just been smashed into oblivion. I I don't think that it has to do with being smashed into oblivion. I think it has to do with the fact that our tastes change over time. And I, I do think that there, I've said this before, I think that there's an inherent part of the average JRPG. And I say average because there are lots of games that eschew this. But the average JRPG is targeted towards a younger audience, an audience that's in their teens, an audience that that is more willing to accept fantastical things. Yeah, yeah. you might be right. You might be right. I mean, hit it. <laughs> well, See, again, to bring up recent ac recent accomplishments, I feel like rating Historia hit a good balance with that. Though. Sorry, guys. I'm I knew just, you were going there. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really down with that game. Like that, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go on about it. But the bottom line is, if you want to play an awesome JRPG, you should play that. Okay, well, I, I think we've talked a lot about Final Fantasy. I definitely want to do like a Final Fantasy retrospective at some point. It might take multiple podcasts, but it's such an important series, and I, I feel so strongly about it. I mean, I I adore six. You know, five has a wonderful battle system, but I can't stand the story. Seven is just so bat crap crazy that I, <laughs> I respect it. You know, years later, I must have played Final Fantasy seven through like five times, and every time I play it, I'm like. This game is nuts. Like it what? is so nuts. Rob, I know that you don't follow me on Twitter, but by when uh, when Wikipedia went dark a couple of days ago, um, I had a tweet that uh, seemed to be pretty popular, um, which was it, it was fact while Wikipedia is down, and it was uh, you know, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII was created in eight days by Sakaguchi while he was on a bender. <laughs> but it it is it's so nuts, and like nine. 
I adore nine until the, the last CD when like most Final Fantasies, the story falls apart. Yeah. But you know, you know what really does it for nine for me? And, Everything. And, I agree. No, there's there's this really really tiny moment in Final Fantasy nine, and it's it's right at the end of the game. So it is it is a slight spoiler, but a character. It but, comes, but Final Fantasy nine is like I, I know how old you can spoil. Okay, it's when you think. Zidane is dead, and he's not. It's the final cinematic of the game, and oh, man. and Dagger runs down to him, and she hugs him, and then she punches him on the chest and just looks pissed at him. And he just looks completely pleased with himself. He's like, yep. I don't know what it... That moment has stuck out for me over everything else in Final Fantasy. That, that these two characters were so well-developed. It is the exact same thing as... Harrison Ford going in, you know, Han Solo going into the Carbonite. I know. I, I know. That is the mo- that's when Final Fantasy got its characters perfect. See, and, and I, I think we all have those moments. Like I for for me, the one thing that stands out is the sepia tone flashback in Final Fantasy VI, where Edgar's talking to Sabin about, you know, what's going to happen. And oh yeah. yeah. They flipped the awesome. coin. They flipped the coin. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and like Final Fantasy uh ten you know, I, I think Ten's ending where Titus leaves the group, that, awesome. that is amazing. And I agree with Steven. I think that that should have been left alone because that that's is a, such a fantastic ending. That's actually why, in retrospect, I'm not as fond of Ten Two as I would have been because I really felt like it trivialized everything that happened in Ten because the whole theme of the plot in Ten is sacrifice. Everybody is sacrificing something. And yet at the end, it's like, oh, but don't worry, you'll get it back. I think well, that, and that goes back with giving a happy ending or not. I think that sometimes it says more not to go the happy ending route. And I felt like, you know, sometimes when you fix things up, but it was still nice to see the two together on screen. That's all I'm saying. See, yeah, well, I, I understand. What, what's interesting about happy endings is I I think that the stories that end up the best is are, are those that where things are broken at the end, but it's OK. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. it's not, oh, everything is perfect again. It's, you know what, stuff happened, but we're going to be okay. I, I agree, and I, I think that, um, you know, I, my, my the movie that I'm most excited about this summer, Dark Knight Rises, Ooh. I very much hope that it has the ending that John's talking about where, you know, maybe Batman's crippled or dead, but Gotham is saved. You know, like, I want that kind of ending, and I, I think that... Those are the things that, you know, I, we harp on... I know everyone says that I hate on... JRPGs and I love the fact that like a moment between Dagger and Zidane, those two characters, that moment stands out for me more than anything in Skyrim, than anything in Deus Ex, and I feel like that's something that the JRPG has kind of lost its way a little bit. And I want to return to that. I want to return to characters that I feel like I know and are real to me. Like I felt like Cyan, Setzer, Mog, Locke, Terra, I felt like they were my buddies, like they were my pals. And one thing that that we're this is we need to to get to news cuz we're running over, but uh one thing that I liked about Final Fantasy 6 is Final Fantasy 6 had these characters that were really important to you and they had these characters that were fantastic. And then they did have characters that were were throwaway. You didn't need them. You had Umaro. Umaro Williams. Don't you dare say anything about Mog. No, no, no. I'm saying Umaro exists as as a character not in the story, but as a I'm a giant effing yeti. I'm not going to take any commands from you. I'm just going to go around and do crazy stuff. And if you have Mog in your party, I'm going to throw him at people. 
Yeah, and it was awesome. And yeah. and but they they still managed to have those characters that matter. I think that a lot of games, their their kind of comic relief are in characters that are necessary to the plot. Mm-hmm. Well, like Zelda hot dogs. Let's definitely. I definitely want to have a a huge. Final Fantasy retrospective. I want to get lots of people from the site on there, and we need to talk about Final Fantasy because I, I feel like it's it to me. Well, honestly, Rob, we could record a podcast every day for like three weeks. Well, on, on Final Fantasy, I think Final Fantasy to me. Why this don't year, you take each game and have a podcast on it? That way, you get people who are. No I know there's some that two. aren't that great. Because no one wants to talk well, about two, and I can't. And nobody wants to listen to me rant about. Why don't you put forever. all the ones that people don't want to talk about into one, well, and it can be one huge? Okay, I, you you do you can do one two three five on one podcast. Well, as long as uh, yeah. the problem is that then we're going to get to eight, and I'm just going to make a gurgling, choking sound for an hour and a half, and that look. All right, we look. Let's, we, let's, we, we we can spend eternity arguing about Final Fantasy, so I think that we should move on. Okay, so first off, uh, in news, public service announcement. We've talked a lot about it, so we we didn't think that we needed to hit on it again. Uh, uh, reckoning demo. Yep, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning demo is out. We have talked so much about this game that at this point we kind of felt like if we talked about the demo, we were just beating a dead horse. Go Actually, play. Go ahead. On that, on that note, I'm a huge fan of Kurt Schilling and a Red Sox fan. So if he wants to like lavish special stuff on RPG fan because we talked about it so much, like you know signing the baseball for me. I'd be willing to accept that. <laughs> well, go at this point, guys. You know, listeners, go play the game. It's out support there. Support new IPs. Yeah. Yes, support a new IP. You know, play it. Give your. Apparently, they're collecting thoughts. They want people to post on the message board. So I think that this is but, a development team that it, wants to make this the best game possible. Yes. The you know these guys with like I said this before when I talked about my visit to their studio, they wanted to know what I thought. They wanted to see how I played. They wanted to know what was going on so that they could do better like i i am such i was already a fan of big huge games i'm such a huge fan of big huge games now 38 studios they're doing a great job i don't want to beat a dead horse honestly on that note i I just want to make this quick point i got an email today right before the podcast and it's an automated email i'm sure but it was an email thanking me for trying the demo for their new game awesome yeah Support new IPs, guys. I mean, it, even you know, you don't have to love it, but at least give them the time of give day. Give it a try. You know, and, uh, try something. New and, and here, you know what? I will actually tie this into to a new story. Um, even if you don't care about Reckoning, play the demo because it's going to oh, give you yeah. items in Mass Effect Three, which everybody's playing. So yeah. There you go. So yeah, I, I have to make sure. Like I have to make sure Ezekiel Shepard saves the world <laughs> with your shock ram launcher. Yes. <laughs> so. so what, I, Demo actually, February fourteenth. Valentine's Day. It was February fourteenth for for Mass Effect. So, thank you, uh, As well, when you play the Mass Effect three demo, I believe that you get things in Amalur. It's good to know that I'm going to be in trouble with my girlfriend on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Unlock a Garrus costume for Amalur that I don't care but, what it is. Kimberly and I decided that we're going out that weekend as opposed to the middle of the week because there's too much stuff coming out. I'm getting my Vita on the fifteenth, like. Yeah, it's there's really because he's getting his Vita on the fifteenth. Kim, as long as you understand that, that's that's real love right there. That's dedication. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if Darkness Hearts game was coming out, he'd have to do the same thing. Darkness two, February seventh. Woohoo! 
All played right. the demo, well, Rob. I didn't like it that much. Really? I didn't like the first I one. You know, it was right, right. first, and then it got old really fast. I couldn't even finish the whole demo because I was, like, having fun, and I was like, ooh, this is great. And then I was like, oh, it's just, like, more John's trying to bring us on track. Sorry. The darkness, <laughs> darkness, not an RPG. Rob, why did you bring that up? It has a skill tree. <laughs> uh, okay, don't make me come over there. It, it looks like the Crystarium. I'm going, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes sir. yes, sir. All right. Uh, Star Wars. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill someone. <laughs> Just an FYI. Jim's the only one in arm reach, dude. <laughs> you can't kill her. All right. Star Wars: The Old Republic had it had its 1.1 update this week, which added a uh, a new flashpoint, which is a dungeon style thingy. Um, so I'm I'm impressed they're already adding content to the game this early. Uh, mm-hmm. Rob. Rob really doesn't like the game, but I think that's a a. Rob uh, it's not a Rob thing. I think it's Rob that doesn't really like MMOs. So. Yeah, but for what it is, it, it's pretty awesome. We're definitely going to have a big. Uh, we're going to have a big episode with Dave and John on. I, for what it is, it is a very impressive game. I'm just not an MMO person, but yeah, it's very very impressive, and I can see why people really like it. All right. Well. I mean, that's really all we need to go into there. Uh, Image Epoch and Namco Bandai announced a new JRPG called Toki Towa, um, which, what? Oh, I was just saying the name. Toki Towa, which is about a uh, a prince and his wife who are married but have never kissed. Aww. Um, and it's it's Image Epoch, which they're the developers of Luminous Arc and some other and Fate Extra and other stuff. So. I mean, they've they've got a decent track record, so we'll see how that is and if it's coming to North America. I don't know. Namco Bandai is publishing several games, like the, the Tales of the Abyss, Tales of Graces F, and Nino Kuni. So maybe. We'll why see. why is it that when you said the name of the game, the first thing I thought was Funky Cold Medina? I I don't know. I have no idea. Like that just that that was the first thing. Funky Cold Medina. I I, I truly don't know. Um, this really isn't. <laughs> news but mass effect 3 has a whole bunch of connect stuff and there's a trailer on the website about it um isn't it like interrogations and stuff like yeah like you you talk to people you can use voice recognition in battle there's exploration stuff it's 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 kind of intriguing the video is only like two minutes long but you should watch it yeah cool i have such such an apathy towards connect that i just i haven't looked that at all but it does look pretty neat well, same apathy I have toward like, motion controls. Well, but Mass Effect is not using Kinect as motion control. No, it's, yeah, it's using it in a, actually a fairly cool way. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's it's using it as voice control, which is actually kind of cool. Like I I like Dance Central too. That's one of my favorite Kinect games, and it's nice to be able to say Dance Central two. You know, dance or or play. Uh, what's that? What's what's the one song with the kid, the Soldier Boy? That's the one you go for, yeah. So, <laughs> I was... just hope I just hope that it's better because I'm having nightmares back to like SOCOM one, like uh, Boomer, <laughs> Boomer, get down. No, Boomer, get down. Da- Boomer, ah. Yeah. Things Aww. things have have uh, gotten significantly better since then. My brother worked on that game. I really love the original. Oh, God, what the hell happened to that series? Holy shoot. <laughs> no. uh, it, it was good up until four. The new one, whoa! Yeah, no, like four was not <laughs> four. Four was not very good. But Your brother you know didn't work on that one, did he? <laughs> no, no, my brother worked on SOCOM one. He was a part of. He was part of the online team. SOCOM one, SOCOM two, some of my favorite games. SOCOM three, Little Miss Guided, SOCOM four. Uh, so, oh. so, Rob, did you play Mag? 
No, I, I played. I played the. I played right. the beta, and I was like, "What the hell is this nonsense?" Oh, pretend Mag is like I like Mag. It's it's got lots of stuff going on, but Mag is really kind of like SOCOM four multiplayer. But you know what? You know what the problem is? I went mouse and keyboard for a while to play Left 4 Dead on my PC. I can't go back to like I will no longer play a shooter on my PlayStation three. I just I can't do it anymore. Okay. Well, I can respect that. I I I think that. Uh, they work well enough, but that's neither here nor there. Yep. Um, Star Trek Online now free. free. So if you if you <laughs> like that other other <laughs> science fiction show, you can go and you can make yourself a Klingon or some kind of Federation guy and be like Red Alert. And things go and they're like. Beep, beep. It's been a long my, my question is, how many characters are there named K A A A A A A A H N? You know what? That took me a minute. <laughs> I, I now I got the damn Enterprise theme stuck. Come in on! Cause I've got faith in my soul, and no one's gonna. Well, guys, stop me, okay? Please, yeah, I'm getting tired. I, I, I think we're good. Um, I mean, so it's free to play. It's available from Perfect World and Cryptic. Um, go and download it. It's free. Um, I don't know if you get any kind of advanced accounts for having the retail box copy, but they've been like five dollars on Amazon forever. So if they do. Go find yourself a box shop. You get all those special favorite things. Cool. Um, can we Alice, talk about a, oh, go ahead. No, I was no, going no, to go say, can we talk about a rumor? Mm, rumor's not really news. Well, it's kind of kind of news about a little little game you might have heard of. Came out of <laughs> kind of a uh, a game about uh, you know the the spiritual embodiment and the darkness within it. Oh, the there. Okay, <laughs> there is potentially DLC for Dark Souls. Yippee! <laughs> Shut up! I'm uh, so happy. Uh, Rob, I'm sorry. Um, there's potentially DLC for Dark Souls. There are absolutely no details available at this time. Please, Next, please God, please. <laughs> if there's uh, a, if no, 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 it's okay. over. Okay, We're I'm done I'm with sorry. that part of news, Rob. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, Growlancer, Wayfarer of Time, aka Growlancer Four. Uh, is slated for U.S. release in July. Um, Yay! And much, much like they did for Gungnir, uh, EB Games Canada released the information early. <laughs> <laughs> is that like GameStop completely blowing the Resident Evil Six announcement this morning? Uh, if that's what they did, yes. Yep, there were definitely stands with Resident Evil Six at GameStops this morning. <laughs> it's like whoopies. Oh. I gotta say, they kept that secret pretty tight-lipped, though. Not bad. Right. Uh, I The game that I'm very excited for, Pokemon plus Nobunaga's Ambition, has been dated in Japan for March 17th. What the? Will we get it here? I I truly, truly hope so. Wait, what? Pokemon plus Nobunaga's Ambition for the DS. Remember when we were talking about people okay, so, doing crazy stuff? You guys can't see the expression on my face right now. It is utter bewilderment. Uh, okay, so Rob, here's the deal. You're you're a general in Edo era Japan. Oh sweet Jesus. And you fight against other generals and their Pokemon with your Pokemon. My Pokemons. Let me show you them. I what? you know what? I, I love Nobunaga's ambition and I love Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I am so bewildered at this game. <laughs> I, I, I truly, if it doesn't get announced for U.S. release, I think that I'm going to import it just to see what it's about. What the? 
you know what this is? This is like the joke that people were making that the that Naughty Dog makes like three games and then they make a kart racing game. You know, they did, <laughs> they did it with Crash Bandicoot and they did it with Jack and Daxter. This is the equivalent of if they came out with an Uncharted kart racing game. <laughs> I would play that. <laughs> I, the, the, the still best joke ever, Penny Arcade. Next Splinter Cell game is going to be a kart racing game. You're going to race against terrorists in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more news. Um, litigious stuff. Bethesda, uh, who had sued Interplay several years ago, um, they now have all the rights to Fallout. Um, they had initially, when they purchased the rights to Fallout, they licensed back rights to the MMORPG to Interplay. Interplay was supposed to get up a bunch of money and start development. Uh, Bethesda said that they didn't, so essentially there was a settlement. Bethesda paid Interplay $2 million, and they have the license back as well. um, Interplay keeps the license for the original three Fallout games, 1, 2, and Tactics. That's until the Until the end of the year 2013, and then Bethesda gets them back. Um, also, unrelated, they sued the developer that was apparently working on this for Interplay. Um, the, all that came with that was the developer said, we're not going to use your intellectual property, and Bethesda said, okay. I I don't want to speculate too much, um, but a lot of people have been on you know, message boards. I, 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 we're not going to speculate here. But a lot of people have been on message boards saying that you know Fallout Online wasn't real and that this was a payout for Interplay. I don't want to speculate on that. I think it's kind of cheeky for people to do that because you know people could have been working really hard on this game and for people to imply that Interplay was just going for money. I, I don't know. I just I really don't like I, that thought process. Yeah, I, we're we're not going to go there. What I will no. speculate about though is the fact that ZeniMax Online has been working on a game for like a year and a half. Um, I'm convinced that that game will become Fallout Online. Do you think we're going to see Fallout Online before uh, Fallout 4? Do you think that that'll be the one that they put online? I, 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 I don't think that it's going to be a, a either-or. Remember, ZeniMax Online is a completely different setup. It's, okay. not, it's not Bethesda Softworks. It's ZeniMax Online. And ZeniMax Online has been working on this game, you know, this, this unnamed MMO for who knows how long. And I think the engine that they've been creating and the things that they've been creating are going to become fallout online. I, I, I would definitely I see hope that. it's good. I would, no, I, I, I'm sure that we'll see fallout four out of Bethesda softworks and it's going to be, uh, it, it's going to be soon. You think it's going to be soon? I think that we're going, probably going to honest, honestly, I think that we're going to see it um, either the end of this year or whoa. The fir- I I do. Now you mean see it, not like release. No, no, no. I I think that. Well, we'll see. You know, I I'm convinced that it will be on a fairly quick turnaround. Well, I'm if they got if they got this new Gamebryo 2.0, whatever they're calling it, and you know they were able to turn Skyrim, but they worked on Skyrim for what two years. So I'm well. I'm so dumb. Uh, you know what? Maybe maybe I'm jumping again a little bit. You know what? I thought Fallout Three came out in 2009. It didn't. It came out in 2008. I got yeah. my years wrong. So probably next year then. Yeah, I mean, I I think it'll. So it was three years then for Skyrim. Yeah, I think yeah, that three years. I, I still think that we're going to see a shortened turnaround for Fallout Four. I think you're right. Um, I'm very excited for Fallout Four. I I, I want to see that. I and again, I'm I'm. 
after playing the 13.2 demo, I am very sorry. I was so critical of Skyrim. I did really enjoy Skyrim, and I just want to reiterate that. But I don't, I don't like that world nearly as much as I like the post-apocalyptic, tongue-in-cheek nature of Fallout. It was two and a half years between Oblivion and Fallout 3. I, I don't think that that two years between Skyrim and Fallout 4 is a stretch at all. No. Yep, that seems like a good argument, and um, you know, I'll, I'll be there for it. Do we think new consoles, or do we think uh, no. this this console generation? This console generation. Look, the the because Oblivion came out uh, almost a ye- in 2005, so yeah, a year after uh, a, a year, only not, not even a full year, so about six months after the new console. So who knows? But I think that that because they have just created this new engine, and I think that. We're also going to see this has been a, a lengthy console generation and will continue to be a lengthy generation. While we are going to see the Wii U this year, <clears throat> it's not as if the Wii U is a step up in power from the other consoles. Right. It's it's a it's a it's a step. I mean, it, it's definitely <laughs> it, more... it's a step up from the Wii. It's kind of a, it's a Wii S3. Yeah. yeah, it's a Wii S3. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not ready for new consoles. I'm so not either. I don't I'm not either. Keep it well, where it's at. But we're getting so many good games now. I don't want them to make new ones because we'll have to go through that whole like growing pains period where they learn yeah, how to exactly. not make crappy games. So, I think they should stretch it a little. I think this was a hard generation for them to come into, and I think that stretching I, I think that, it is not a bad idea. I think uh, the scales are, are also incredibly brisk on these consoles still. I absolutely. I gotta say though, like I, I definitely mentioned it on the uh, end of the year spectacular episode that I wasn't ready for new consoles. But you know, I, to get back to Amalur real quick, I played Amalur on my PS3 and I played it on my you know pretty beefy rig. I mean, it's not my my rig is by no means top of the line <laughs> anymore. I mean, it's a year old, but it's it's still got a 68. But, but, but you know, you you see like the 7990s coming out, which just came out like last week, and they're still way too. Expensive yeah, to but, be cost but, effective. yeah, but but consider this: a seventy nine ninety on its own, just the video card is five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, like and and that has that's none of the other components. That's just the video card. E- even to say, well, they're going to stick the equivalent of a of a sixty eight fifty in there. You're still looking at to make that cost effective and and the ability to mass produce that in a smaller chip. It, it's it's going to be a while. I agree, but I, I do think that Amalore running on my PS3 compared to my desktop with the 6870, I, the game looks downright fugly on PS3 compared to my machine. And I, that was when I was going... But I feel like that's a comparison that not a whole lot of people are going to have a problem with, because... Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like, it, I didn't play it on PC at all, and I thought it looked great. There, there was a point for a while where games were looking better on the consoles. Yeah, and that point always gets surpassed eventually. And and it's always going to be an up and down because consoles for their entire generation are going to be the same equipment. That doesn't happen with games. You know what? Honestly, if I were to play Amalur on PC with my current rig, the one that's got a 5650 or 5670 in it would probably not look as good as the console version. You might be surprised. You might be. My my old laptop was still looked way better. Left 4 Dead looked way better on that thing than on 360. But Left 4 Dead was also a a PC. Right. No, you're right. You're right. I I just, I don't know. I'm I'm not ready for new consoles, but that, that, a couple of games like that and Space Marine look so much better on PC. But, so, but I think that we're, we're getting closer and closer to the point where, where that, Divide is not so huge for the average consumer. 
I think yeah. that that the super hardcore are going to say, oh, yeah, I want this on my PC, but not necessarily so for the average person. As long yeah. as the game looks good, I think they're going to be happy. I'm pretty much shying away from buying just about anything for the PS3 unless it's an exclusive just because it, it does look better on my PC. And I, I prefer that. So, well, that's, I'm, that's just I, I, I'm planning on upgrading. I'm getting an i5 2500K next month and I'm sticking <laughs> And sticking a 6550 in, or I'm sorry, a 6850 into my machine. So, so I, I'm building my PC. What do you mean 6850? Like that's the in, ATI uh, graphic. Oh, yeah. okay, that's why I've been using NVIDIA. That's why. Yeah, no, I find ATIs are a little bit more cost effective, even if they're not quite as powerful. Yeah, I, I really like my 6870, and you know, I'm gonna hopefully keep that in there for a couple more years, and then do an upgrade i mean i i love the fact that with my desktop like this summer i plan on putting you know 24 gigs of ram in and it's only going to cost me like 100 bucks and then i'm going to put another two hard drives inside of it so i feel like like, i'm in a room with guys discussing their cars and what they're going to do to them hey i just (laughs) built you a computer yeah we we were talking about dress spheres i don't want to hear about it (laughs) yeah well you know i too much man too much man (laughs) that's what she said I find it interesting that you're saying you're going to stick, you know, 24 gigs of RAM in there. If you're do much. if your machine has four DIMMs, you can just get 16 gigs of RAM on four DIMM sticks, and it'll cost you nothing. Oh yeah, no, you're you're right, you're right. No, I'm going to talk to you about this because the RAM thing, I still don't under. I like I have six gigs of RAM in there, and it's it still runs like butter. But yeah, like, when when it comes to games right now at this point in time. Four is the standard. Yeah, anything more than four gigs of RAM doesn't get you anything. Yeah, yeah I know. Skyrim I know. doesn't even use didn't even use four until the patch just came out. Yeah, I was really surprised that um that Amalor used four gigs of RAM. I was like, whoa, yeah, Amalor scales very nicely. I mean, it looks good on PC. It looks really good. So, cool. Is that uh, it for news? We've, we've no, gone well, really long. Yeah, this is one last piece of news, and it's one that we're probably not going to talk a lot about. Um, Cthulhu Saves the World, which I actually talked about earlier in with Ziboid Games, um, coming to new platforms. They dropped the price on the Xbox Live indie version of the game to $1 or 80 Microsoft points. Go get it. Just and, people, go get it. Yeah, it, it's it's $3 on the PC, and it comes with Breath of Death, which is their original title. Um, they also announced they're porting it to iOS, Android, and the Mac App Store. Cool. Nice. That's great for them. That was a f- Those were two fun games. Well, you know, I I, yeah, I, say, stuff in them I I say it again because it, I'm all about attaching ourselves to to greatness. Uh, Robert Boyd was a, a member of our forums for a long, long time. He's a good guy. Support him and his company. He's doing a good thing. Why doesn't he come and talk to us, John? Because he's he's busy making games now. <laughs> Fine. All right. Is that it? Uh, I think I think that's it. That's that's most big things oh um go read the write-up that my brother wrote about board i want to play that game super dungeon explorer looks really cool all right so uh looks like we're gonna have a lot to talk about here in the next month or so we're gonna have uh a, probably a big show for final fantasy 13 too i mean we, we've only been able to tear into the demo and i think we want to give that game its due we got amalore to talk about we got uh old republic we definitely want to get John and Dave in here. And Kim, now that you have uh, my account, you can yes, play yes. it. So um, we definitely want Devil to get people. Survivor 2? Hmm? Devil oh, Survivor yes. 2. Devil Survivor 2. There's, there's a lot coming out this month, which is, mm-hmm. well, not, not this month, next month. Which next is, month, February. Yeah. I, I'm going to count Final Fantasy as coming out in February because it comes out on January 31st. 31st yeah. Tales of the Abyss 3DS. 
Yeah, oh there's my god, so, yes. There's so much stuff coming out in February, and it's all RPGs. So you know what? If you have been someone that's been complaining that there's not enough good RPGs coming out, uh, welcome to February. Welcome yes. To, welcome Go buy a 3DS and play the best Tales game ever. Yes, uh, I agree. I promise. I promise we're going to do a Shadow Hearts podcast. I just need to play the rest of them, and I can't find the time. So, but did I, you finish the first one yet? No, I, honestly, I haven't. I keep getting. I, I keep getting. Here's the problem. My girlfriend was so awesome to me, and she bought me so much stuff at Christmas, but she inundated me with content, and I'm stressed. I'm stressed <laughs> with the number of games that I have content. to play, and the number of the number of books I have to read. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I have the same problem. I, I have to play a game one, one at a time. So like I'm playing skyward sword right now and I'm focused on that. And it's like, I want skyward sword beat before I start anything else. Rob, you want that game beat. get the good ending and then watch the bad ending on YouTube because the bad ending is what they went with with shadow hearts too. I, we're going to do a shadow hearts podcast. I really feel like it's unfortunately, I feel like since we have so much coming out, it's going to be closer mm-hmm. to the summer, but I promise yeah. you guys, we're gonna it, do it. Yeah, like we we want to do more retrospective stuff. We only record once every two weeks, and that's that's pretty much as as much as we can do, and still keep these well edited. I know people have said that they want more podcasts. We're we're cranking them out every two weeks. That's about as good as we're gonna get. Um, we will do more retrospective stuff. It's just gonna be in this low time, so expect it maybe in April ish, and then maybe again in like September. Yep, maybe maybe August. Mm-hmm. Well, we always have a big E3 podcast to look forward to, and woot, I'm woot. I'm so jealous. Woot. Next year, uh, we next year I'm going to E3 with you guys, and we're doing the show live, and we're gonna get really really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna we're gonna reenact the One Up Yours podcast. Hey. That is the reason that I podcast, where they did it from the poolside at the Figaro Hotel, drunk out of their minds. That's the reason I do this show, is because that was the funniest three hours of my life. Just listening to those four guys just bashing each other. That's the reason <laughs> I do this, and I want to do that. See, I'm, I'm happy that that type of alcohol exists, Rob. but it's not. No. Bashing each other, everybody would come and, go and attack Rob. That's true. <laughs> Rob, um, you have not been with me at a show when I'm the boss. You're you will going. have You will have lots of work to do. I will have lots of work to do, but I want to do a live podcast, damn it. Okay. It's like been a dream of mine. We'll do it. We'll do it. So, you know, we will be very happy at E3. Um, we're in the process of getting ourselves all set up for that. So very excited. I'm waiting for hotels to open up with reservations from the show, but that's not going to happen until next month. Yep. Well, I paid off a credit card so I could afford to go to this. I, uh, oh, goodness. All we have to say is that we have lots and lots planned. Uh, thank you again to everybody for supporting the show. I mean, I, I, you guys don't understand how much I love doing this. And, you know, sometimes I get a little pissy, like, oh, man, I really don't want to record a podcast or whatever. And then we get here and we have such a good time. And I, I love to see discussion on the message boards. So, you know, the support from you guys has always been great. You know, make sure you're subscribing to us through iTunes, through the RSS feed, giving us feedback. Thank Zach for busting his ass to edit these damn things. Like, I feel so bad for that guy, like, with the whole college thing and and, be, and just being a workhorse in college and still finding the time to edit these. So definitely thanks, Zach, on the boards. He is the podcast mom. And without him, like, if I was editing these things, they'd be going up, like, once a month. So 
thank him for that. And, you know, thanks to everybody for this show. For John, Kim, and Steven, uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen Two sucks. You heard it here first. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're doing so well. I know. Too. I had to get it out there a little bit. So, uh, But thank you, everybody, for listening, and look forward to more episodes. Thank you.